0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. With these words, we're saying what the Nicene Creed also confesses that God is the maker of everything, both what is visible and invisible, seen and unseen. Not only has God made everything that we can see, but what we can't see. Our faith, for instance, contrary to the idea that most people have that, that our faith is something of our own creation, or our making or our doing, we confess that here, that, that my faith is a creation of God. Heaven. Heaven itself is a creation of God, along with the angels who are unseen. However, just as Satan, who is merely a fallen angel, brought sin into the world by causing man to sin and distrust of God, leading him into rebellion against God, so Satan also led many angels to rebel. We call these demons. Or lesser or evil spirits, demons. Uh, They're evil angels who continually oppose God and His church. We'll sing in our hymn uh, later that the devil chafes madly to annihilate all virtue, honor, church, and state. And we see in our gospel lesson this morning a demon possessing a man, causing him to be mute. Now, on the surface, it doesn't seem like that would do much in opposing the church or virtue or honor or even the state. I mean, causing a man to be mute, the worst thing that's going on is, well, you just can't talk. What's that going to do? And on the other hand, the fact that this is just one of many demon possessions recorded in Scripture, many of them having to do with muteness, it just makes it seem like demons are running rampant in Jesus' day like vermin and Jesus comes and he does pest control. And that's his biggest achievement. And I think that's what many people think. Because it's probably one of the top questions that I've been asked as a pastor that, Pastor, why don't we see demon possession today? But I think people ask that question because they really don't actually believe demons exist. You know, we don't believe the devil has a kingdom. For the same reason that we have difficulty believing that God exists, we also have difficulty believing that demons are real and that they cause trouble. Because we don't really want to believe in sin. We don't want God to be a savior from sin or the devil. We want God to be a savior from all our earthly physical problems. But let's just think about what the result of this particular demon possession was. Muteness. You know, we take the ability to speak for granted. And, and we think we're better at it than we are, but in fact, we are, we're, we're probably the worst that we've ever been in the history of humanity at, at speaking and thinking. I mean, just read Twitter. That was supposed to be funny. You might not be on Twitter. To be able to communicate is a huge frustration. I mean, I see it in the victims of stroke. They want to be able to say something And they just can't. It's devastating. The the ability to speak is truly a gift of God. And next to Jesus is really the most important thing. In fact, Jesus himself is called the Word. But on a large scale, we see this muteness in the general population. We don't understand the grammar of things. And so we have no idea how to reason or even think critically about things. And we're especially biblically illiterate but also illiterate about so many uh, many things. Because we think that words don't really matter. Uh, But how destructive it becomes in our society when we can't even talk to each other. And we see this more than ever today. Words matter. This is how God communicates with us. The word is God's chosen means. It's no coincidence that through spoken word, it is the best way people learn. You know, modern education likes to think that and say that people have different learning styles. Uh, Well, no, everyone really learns in the same way, through words. The reason people think they learn differently, that they're visual learners or experiential learners, uh, is because learning is work. Uh, It's boring, and they like watching videos better because it's less boring. And so they don't actually learn, but they like it better, and so they think they learn. And then it becomes, and we see this today, we'll blame the teacher for the student not learning. The devil wants to annihilate all virtue, honor, church, and state. Well, how is he going to do it? By making laziness a virtue and words speaking something to be avoided. Because words carry truth, they carry the gospel. The devil wants to divide us. And he does the same thing in church. If he can get me to think that it's boring, then it must be bad. You know, we want a God who saves me not from sin, but from boredom. And so effectively, people are mute. We are mute. We can't think through things. We're unable to articulate what is right and wrong, or even what is good and virtuous. We only know what we like, and we like what we know And so we're effectively mute. I mean, consider what what Paul said in our epistle. He said, let no one deceive you with empty words. There's also the muteness of cowardice. being Being unable to speak because we're afraid. The devil tries all the tricks to get us to be afraid. At the end of our lesson, Jesus says in response to a woman who who spoke before she thought. He says, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Part of keeping the word of God means confessing it, speaking it. So if you're at work or school and you're not able to confess because you're afraid of what people think of you, then you're mute and you're actually not keeping the word of God. There's huge pressure in our society today, especially for Christians who believe what the Bible says is true, to be silent, to not speak. The devil wants us to be mute because then he can hinder the proclamation of the gospel. It's why in the Lord's Prayer, as we have in our church family devotions this past week, we we say, Thy will be done. And we mean by that that God would hinder every evil counsel and will which would not let us hallow his name or let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil. And so this is why it's important, so important that we make sure our children and we ourselves are being taught to understand and to think and to reason and to actually do the hard work to hear and speak over and over and over the word of God in a safe setting, not only here in church, but also in our homes so that when difficulty and persecution in my life does come, I'm not mute, Uh, but I'm able to speak, to make a good confession, to pray, to, to comfort. And this takes discipline. It takes order. It takes liturgy. But the devil hates order. We see in our text that the devil, when they see that a house is empty, a person's life is empty, their heart is empty, they move in and they cause disorder. The devil wants it to be a free-for-all, to turn everyone against everyone else. But it's a lie, and that's what the devil is good at. And there's no freedom there, but merely slavery to your own passions and lusts. Jesus says, The one who is not with me is against me, The one who does not gather with me scatters. There is no gray area. Demons are real. And if you're not with Jesus, then you are with them. And so you think to yourself in your daily life, well, I'm just going to scroll on the Internet rather than read my Bible or or be with my family at the dinner table or even just read a good book or, or just talk to my family. Well, it's not God telling you to do that. But the problem is we don't even think about it. We'd rather, you know, if we would say it out loud and use words, we'd realize how foolish these things that we do actually are. But sin makes us foolish. Or someone says, hey, hey, let's go do this fun thing. But it's over Sunday morning. When you would miss the gathering of Jesus. Well, it's not God telling you to do that. Jesus is clear. There is no neutrality. Everything is spiritual. And yes, even the physical things that we do are important. If you're not filling your heart with good things, then you are leaving it open to demons. Now this seems terrifying. This demon possession in our age. But on the other hand, just think how easily demons are overcome. It doesn't take an army, it doesn't take much strength, all it takes is a word. One little word can fell a demon. There's an incredible imbalance of power between demons and God. Jesus says, yet if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's a great picture, God's God's little finger. God's little finger can defeat an entire legion of of demons. But it's more than just a picture because God's finger actually does something. Every time God uses his finger in scripture, he's he's doing something. He's, He's writing words. Jesus writing on the ground with his finger before the woman accused of adultery. God using his finger to inscribe the two tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments. The law always accuses, but God turns his finger on Jesus and puts on him the sin of the world. And maybe the most famous example of the finger of God is when God's finger writes on the wall before the pagan king Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5. And there Daniel explains that the writing on the wall means that the king thought too much of himself. He thought too much of his own strength and his own armor. He trusts his own abilities, but a stronger king would come and his kingdom would be divided and plundered. And now Jesus says this exact same thing about the devil. The devil thinks he's a strong man and he trusts in his armor, his tools of lying and deceiving, of deceiving with empty and shallow words, trying to annihilate all virtue, honor, church, and state. But along comes a stronger man, Jesus, who is the very word of God. And simply by the finger of God, by the word of God, the devil is overcome, completely overcome. And Jesus takes what the devil thought was his and divides up his kingdom, divides up his plunder and turns evil into good for the church. Martin Luther once said that the devil is God's fool. The devil thinks he's smart. He thinks he's got the world in his control. He's going to do this and he's going to destroy everything. But there's nothing he can do to overcome Christ. So if the wicked the devil plans in the world whatever that wicked may be, whatever that evil may be that we see around us, if that evil, if whatever the devil plans for evil in this world, if it causes me to turn to the word of God, his plans have failed. The devil is God's fool. He unwittingly ends up doing God's work. Satan's strategy usually backfires on him by driving people to Christ rather than away from him. In fact, it's in times of persecution that the church usually grows. Maybe despite appearances. So now we go back to the creed. What things, what institutions in this world look like they belong to the devil? But those things are actually gifts of God to promote virtue, honor, church, and state. Or as Paul says, The fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We confess that I believe that God has given me my body and soul, my eyes, which are ever to be toward the Lord. My ears, to hear the word of God, and all my members, my reason, to reason through words, to think through words, my senses, and still preserves them. That he daily and richly provides me with food and clothing, home and family. These institutions where goodness and truth is to be taught. Property and goods and all that I need to support this body and life. That he protects me from all danger, guards and keeps me from all evil. And all this purely out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. The devil may be the prince of this world, and while he may corrupt these things, he's not in control. He's simply God's fool. God guards his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Amen.